Morning, everyone. Um, this today's Bible reading is taken from Luke 24, verses 1 to 12. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, the women came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. Women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the son of man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words and returning from the tomb, they told all this to the 11 and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in, he saw the linen clothes by themselves then he went home amazed at what had happened. Well, now this last year has been a time when the tension, I think, between presence and absence uh, has been highlighted for so many of us. The coronavirus pandemic and the lockdown restrictions and distancing measures that have accompanied it, accompanied it have meant that in so many ways, we have been absent from one another. The streets of our beloved Bloomsbury have been eerily quiet. No tourists, hardly any students, shuttered shops, closed restaurants, the British Museum closed. The only sound it seems sometimes is the wailing of ambulance sirens taking people to the hospitals. Our economy has been profoundly affected. Our working lives have been affected by severe stress. For many of us, our usual work patterns have broken down. Some of us have been dealing with emergencies. Others have been furloughed or working from home. For me, speaking personally, it has felt at times as though I, I have been absent from my own life. A year in a kind of frenetic stasis, busy yet confined, on call and on hold, both at the same time. And all of us have felt the pain of being absent from our friends, from our families and from our church community. And yet through all this, we have been able to connect with other people in our community and around the world in utterly unexpected ways. Just over a year ago, I, like most of us, had never heard of Zoom. And yet the miracle of Zoom has meant that I have been able to join with more group meetings and webinars than I ever thought possible. Sharing a view of my living space when I don't have a virtual background on with people on the other side of the world. I have also enjoyed many more one-to-one -one conversations with people than in a long time. Learning to be vulnerable together in the strangely intimate setting of the video call. 
in that sense, I found this last year to be a time when I have been profoundly present to other people, profoundly present to the congregation at Bloomsbury. We have reached out across the internet in search of connection and discovered new depths in relationship, new honesty in communication. One of the things that has been a great source of encouragement to me has been to observe how many aspects of our church community have thrived as a result of this deeper new way of communicating. We are meeting less, but I think we are listening more. The discussion panel that has formed a regular part of our online Sunday services has allowed us to hear a far wider variety of perspectives on issues of life and faith. People have stepped up to take on leadership roles. We have come to appreciate many otherwise hidden strengths of individuals in our congregation. These are gifts from God, which have been especially precious at a time like this. We have been absent from one another but we have also been present to each other. We have been scattered, but we have also been gathered as our regular lockdown communion liturgy has reminded us. So we may not have been to church, at least not in the sense of visiting number 235 Shaftesbury Avenue and our beautiful sanctuary has spent the year mostly as empty as a cave but we have still gathered in the presence of God for worship, for prayer and for community. God has been present to us even as we have been absent from the places we normally go to encounter the divine. Which brings me to our story for this morning of Mary, the other Mary, Joanna, and the other women discovering the empty tomb in the garden on that first Easter morning. This too is a story of absence and presence. I'm sure as the women set off to visit the tomb, the events of the preceding Friday were still uppermost in everyone's minds. The cross the moment of divine dereliction, of ultimate abandonment, is a tale of absence, with Jesus taken from those who love him and executed outside the city wall. And by Sunday morning, Jesus had gone, and with him all the hopes and dreams that life could have been different, all the love and vitality, all the healing and wholeness that had characterised the last few years, all gone. All that was left for the grieving women, the despairing disciples, was a body in a tomb. And the women did what the men didn't. The women went to the tomb to face their fears, to anoint the body, to say one final farewell. And what they discovered was a yet further absence. Even the body itself had gone, leaving an empty cave. 
Easter morning is the moment of supreme absence. And yet, at that moment, when all had ended, the new beginning was already at hand. The two men in dazzling clothes remind them of what they already knew but had forgotten, that Jesus must go from them in order to be present with them. In his absence, his presence becomes known in a new and even more profound way. And so the women ran and told the men, but the men didn't believe them until one of the other men confirmed it because, well, you know, patriarchy is nothing new. And women then, as now, often found their voices obscured by the voices of men. But the wonder of that first Easter morning was that it was in fact the women who first proclaimed the mystery of the empty tomb. And the women were right. The body was gone, the tomb was empty, and Jesus was no longer absent, but is rather eternally present. The post-resurrection new normal is not a return to the days before the horror of the cross. There's no undoing the events of Good Friday and the resurrected Christ bears the marks of crucifixion eternally. But the new possibility for divine presence that the emptiness of the tomb heralds is the new reality for those who seek God in Christ. And so we come to today, to Easter 2021, at the end of a year of absence. And my question is this, what today does resurrection mean for you? What does it mean for us to say that Jesus is raised from the dead? As we plan to return to our lives, as our city starts to come back to life, as our church takes a deep breath in the hope and expectation that soon we'll be singing the gospel of life together again, we need to ask ourselves what the truth of the resurrection means for us. We, like the women at the mouth of the tomb, are not witnesses to Christ's resurrected body. Jesus is not, physically at least, with us. Like like the women, we simply know Christ through his absence. Yet Christ is present with us in ways that the disciples waiting back in Jerusalem that first Easter morning had yet to comprehend. The risen Christ is with us by his spirit. Christ has been with us as we have been scattered by the pandemic and Christ will be with us as we cautiously emerge from our own times of confining to find the new life that awaits us. Christ is with us as we gather, as we worship, as we pray. Christ is with us as we confess our sins and find forgiveness, as we break bread and drink wine. Christ is with us as we remember the broken body of the cross in the communion of God's people, which is the body of Christ. So what does it mean for us today to say that Jesus is raised from the dead? 
this is no cheap cosmic publicity stunt for the events of Good Friday. Rather, it is a profound assertion of faith that the one who died on the cross is present, even though he is absent. And as we consider our city in 2021, cautiously transitioning from silence and stillness to movement and bustle, and as we hope for a journey from a time of death and suffering to a time of life and living, we know that the resurrected Christ is present in the midst of it all, still drawing the world to life. The resurrection is an expression of the conviction that death does not get the final word on life. It is the eternal hope that calls to each of us who must face the truth of our own human mortality. It is the promise of new life. It is the expression of ultimate love. The absence of the empty tomb is the assurance of God's eternal presence. God is with us. Christ is risen. And this is good news. Hallelujah. Nice to see you, everybody. Thanks for joining us this morning. Um, I wonder when you were reflecting back on Simon's sermon, whether there was a particular aspect which struck you. Don't mind saying something first. Um, uh, obviously, there's a, I think for a lot, a lot of people, a lot of um, uh, it resonates a lot with regards to thinking about the pandemic, and um, for a lot, a lot of people, um, the concept of things changing, um, and for me personally, things changed quite a lot in the last year, uh, and it was quite a tough year, and now I'm looking at lots of new things. So I think, like other other people, I, I kind of understand that the, the sort of new life um aspect and that this easter does feel a bit different because of that but i'm also acutely aware um that with the idea of resurrection when i think about the resurrection story that people um experience resurrection you know even back then in a very different way because you've got the women going first and then you've got the men not believing and you've got um you know thomas you know if we if we go to to a different story later on um and I think that that resonates for me too, because I think people are in very different situations at the moment when they think about going back to Bloomsbury and when they think about um, how their life has been over the last year. And for some, they're very much still in a, in a period of grief and that's going to continue for quite a long time. Um, and for some, you know, uh, it, it has been more of a positive experience and the, the change has been good. So I guess I'm just aware that that resurrection is hard and that, that, that it's not like even in the story, everybody came with the same feelings and everybody kind of ended up being let out of lockdown in the same way. And so that, that's kind of what I, I took from it. Yeah, thank you, Liz. Anybody else? maybe uh, building on what Liz just said. Um, I, I totally agree. And um, I think resurrection helps us give a, a kind of a, a fresh and new perspective on also the, the events we have been going through. Uh, I was 
I was very shocked at the beginning of the pandemic when, um, you know, several restrictions were introduced, not because I personally opposed them, but because I really struggled to figure out how they could work in practice. And I, um, I must confess that I was someone who never thought that I would experience a situation where, for example, flying would be almost impossible or traveling would be almost impossible or, um, you know, crossing borders would be almost impossible. And then I was positively impressed by, by the way this was handled and how people reacted to this. Um, and then now we are facing something different, uh, an evolving situation. And even though I'm in many ways relieved that there is light at the end of the tunnel, um, I think we, we, we should also be aware that, again, a lot of anxiety and sense of vulnerability we have felt throughout this will linger on, will be with us or with many of us for, for a long time. And um, I think that the, the big challenge, including the big spiritual challenge, will be how to cope with this in, in a way that is not crippling, that is not paralyzing, that is not alienating us from others and keeping us away from others. And I think, of course, resurrection can play a big role in, in, in lifting us up despite all this. Thank you, Tommaso. That's, that's really helpful. Thank you. Any of our other panelists? I just wanted to add into that, that um, the word hope comes through so much from, from Easter Sunday. And I think at the moment, well, every day, I think we need that reminder. And that's why the story of it, the whole story of Easter from all the different perspectives and all the different days and all those angles is, is, a, is a narrative that we need to keep thinking about. And it's so important to keep doing that every Easter, but also, you know, every time we celebrate communion or every time we gather together as, as a group of Bloomsbury people or just other Christians that we need to keep that reminder of the story all the time. We can't just have it once and then just go, oh, well, that story happened, everything, this is how it was, you know, it's, it's so important wherever, ever, ugh, wherever anyone is in their journey, whatever day it is, um, whatever perspective you're coming from, that that story of hope and, and transformation is just so important. We need to have that kind of constant reminder and we need to remind each other of it on the journey because we're not all on, on the journey at the same place at the same time. Yeah. Thank you, Helen. Yes, yes. Um, I remember a, a, a sermon actually from Simon Perry. <clears throat> so I don't know when this would be, 10 years ago or perhaps more ago. And um, <clears throat> be, back in the sort of 60s, 70s, there are often a lot of conversations going on about the scientific probing, probings um, around um, the, the tomb and everything. And uh, there were a lot of some quite very strong writings from uh, Christians defending everything from a scientific point of view and, and the contrary. And I remember Simon Perry saying, I'm terrified of paraphrasing him incorrectly, but I think he said that he found both sides equally unconvincing. And I think, it, it, in other words, we're thrown back to faith 
and they're, they're, they are so close. I think if Good Friday represents grief with hope, then obviously the resurrection is the realization of that hope. But the cross is still significant um, because Christ says, you know, if we are to follow him, we are to take up our cross daily and follow him. So the cross isn't left behind. Um, this week, um, as I do spend much of the time on YouTube, great, great, great YouTube, looking up many all sorts of different types of music and things. But I came across um, a quote from, and I think Simon Woodman mentioned his name recently. I think I'm right in saying that, the New Testament scholar N.T. Wright. And um, I came across this, um, sorry, I'm, computer's asking me to switch something off. Right, it's gone. Um, and I suppose we could call this part of the res resurrection, bringing heaven to earth. But I think this is a very um, pertinent quote. He says, Jesus's resurrection is the beginning of God's new project, not to snatch people away from earth to heaven, but to colonize earth with the life of heaven. I think that's an extraordinary statement actually, to colonize earth with the life of heaven. Now that is an enormous challenge and of course it's in the Lord's Prayer, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it, it is just an enormous challenge for us to take up our cross daily. And I think to think of the word that really sums this up is pilgrimage because I think that in a way is the life of the Christian. It's not entirely a bed of roses. We have to take everything as it's there and we have to think of ourselves as pilgrims. Thank you very much, Philip. No, that's a very interesting and thought provoking quote. Let me just read a couple of comments from the chat. Jeff has said that sometimes when we uh, reimagine our theology around the uh, resurrection. Uh, there might be a sense of absence, but after a while, that might be seen as a gain. Um, Micah uh, says that uh, during the pandemic, we've seen some of the problems of the world, including racism, sexism, homophobia, classism, uh, and out of this darkness. Uh, it's exposed that the world needs to be resurrected with the light of Christ. Dermot asks or makes an observation that he feels that resurrection could be seen as a process uh, rather than um, an event. Um, and Luke says that Helen's ref reflection that she just shared in our chat resonated with him um, and reminded him of something that he read in an email today. The risen Christ is not a one-time miracle, but the revelation of a universal pattern that's hard to see in the short run. Thank you very much, everybody, for contributing to uh, the conversation on chat uh, using Zoom. And thank you also to our panelists. He is risen indeed, alleluia. Let us give thanks for the redeeming love of the cross. Your name we bless, O risen Lord, and sing today with one accord, the life laid down, the life restored, alleluia, and again, alleluia. 
Therefore, in a spirit of triumphant gladness, we give thanks for that pledge of new birth and sustaining grace and for the promise of a resurrected life anchored in love. A love that passes all understanding. And in the words of that great Easter carol, love is come again, like wheat that springs up green. Great Lord of nature, shaping and renewing, we offer our thanks for today. And in this expression of gratefulness, let us not forget the, the dedication and frequently sacrificial service offered by so many in the care community during this year of pandemic. We remember Jesus's words, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. Lord of compassion and healing, hear our prayer. But at this Eastertide, there are innumerable voices, unable to mouth even a semblance of an Alleluia, whose ears are deaf to the praising church today. We think of the world, Lord, we share a troubled and tarnished world disfigured by bloodshed, hate and violence. We think of the escalating violence in Myanmar. And let us pause for a few seconds to think of an area or concern on our own hearts. And on this Easter Sunday, let us not forget about the persecuted church worldwide. And for those today on this Easter Sunday who will face a martyr's crown, loving Lord, bring to an aching world your sovereign word of peace and teach us even in the simplest way how we might become channels of that peace. Come, Prince of Peace and Reign. Let us think of those who tread a daily path of loneliness, sorrow or despair, where life is simply a great unknowing. For those sick in body or mind. And let us pause for a moment to remember some of those closest to our hearts. And we think also of those whose lives are adjusting to the pains of bereavement. Lord, grant them strength for the days ahead. And in news this week and on a seemingly daily basis, We've heard stories from the victims of abuse, some domestic, but mostly from school-aged children and students who have become traumatised through no fault of their own. Many find trust difficult or even impossible. God of immeasurable love, grant reassurance and hope 
to an often struggling and perplexed generation. And throughout our various trials and perplexities, we remember the words of our Saviour with that Easter hope. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. So it is Easter Sunday and we rejoice that we can celebrate life. The trumpets of the angels, the singing of the springtime birds, and the alleluias of the church. Christ is risen. Jesus lives. Amen. May Christ, our risen Saviour, inspire us with fresh hope and may the assurance of God's eternal presence bring peace to us all this Easter Sunday and always. Amen.